You ready? Yep. How about you? Yep. Start it up. Welcome to episode 21.3, Van Top, brought to you by the Big Red Van. Each week, we address all angles of one topic with cultural relevance. This week, we talk about the history, the people, and the attractions of the great state of Tennessee. What was our roadmap to statehood? How many native Tennesseans have impacted history? And where should you go when you visit? With an expose on our favorite state, this is the Big Red Van. And Mr. Cody Walters hanging out for the entire ride. Let's Staying for it. Yeah. Let's do the this. The long haul. And this is awesome because our van top. Van top. It's an expose kind of. For, of sorts. <laughs> of sorts about the state of Tennessee. Tennessee. <laughs> well done. So, And you grew up here. And Cody, you grew up here, right? Born I did. And, born yeah. and raised. Born and raised. Born and raised, Hayden. And you grew up here, but weren't born. Yeah, and I raised wasn't here. born and raised, but but, but raised, raised. Grew up. But not, yeah. yeah, you grew up here. I guess yeah. is the best way of putting it. And I did not. So I went from my twenties to where I am now here. So mm. immigrants aren't welcome. No, <laughs> frowned upon. Where are you? From? <laughs> where are you from, boy? So we're gonna go through in our normal style. We're gonna have a three pronged approach to it. And Cody, actually, with his show Tennessee Uncharted, knows so much about the state, mm. the little small aspects of the state, the lesser known stories that aren't told from the state. Story time. So he got into a couple of those. <laughs> if you haven't listened to episode twenty one point two, his interview, go back because he goes into a little bit of those. But he's here to add to that. And having a resident expert like you in studio, Cody, I feel blessed for this. Could, the timing couldn't have been more perfect. Awesome. So yeah. it, this this is This will be fun. Hayden, you got the history of it. Let us know how Tennessee became a state and all the rest of that. All right. So I'm just going to go ahead and preface everything I'm going to say here. I'm going to try and wrap up the whole history of Tennessee in 15 minutes. So <laughs> there are going to be some things left out. So just bear with me on that. Okay. So Paleo-Indians are believed to have hunted and camped in what is now Tennessee as early as 12,000 years ago. So that's how long people have been chilling in Tennessee. Along with uh, projectile points common for this period, there was hunting and all that sort of stuff going on. Uh, And actually in Williamson County, they discovered a 12,000-year-old mastodon skeleton with cut marks from tools typical of prehistoric hunters in Tennessee. And Williamson County is a Nashville area. Yep. I think that's pretty freaking sweet. That's awesome. Um, So the most prominent known archaic period site in Tennessee, which is 8,000 to 1,000 BC, is Ice House Bottom, just right down the road. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know that, but that's like super old uh, spot in Tennessee. Um, It's located just south of Fort Loudon in Monroe County. Um, So excavations of Ice House in the early 1970s 1970s uncovered that um, evidence of human habitation dated as early as 7500 BC in that area, which is, I'm just, I had no idea, to be totally honest. I didn't know it went that far back. Um, Some other famous sites um, are Rose Island, which is just a few miles downstream from Ice House, and the Eva site in Benton County. So, Native Americans flourished in this region for centuries, okay? Then around the 1500s, um, you know, this is after Columbus 
quote unquote discovered America. Shut up. <laughs> uh, well, we might touch on Just that later. Just go. Uh, so some other famous. <laughs> or, so in the 1500s, though, the Spanish actually came a little farther inland whenever they came to America uh, in the 1500s, and they came all the way as far in as Tennessee. Actually, specifically, the person that did that was Hernando de Soto. I don't know if you guys remember that from history class, but he did come marching through the Tennessee Valley. I didn't learn Tennessee history. I'm sorry. Um, But he was just an explorer (laughs) of the area. You know, he didn't stick around. They didn't settle the area. They came and went. Um, But in the 16th century, uh, most of the people living in in Tennessee um, were of the Cusa people, and they spoke a Mustigian language, um, which was used by several nations. You took Uh, that word in stride. That's right. Uh, (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh, which was used by several nations in Tennessee, including the Cherokee, the Choctaw, Chickasaw, and um, Cushada. Which... Man, he's not even hesitating tonight. Hey, you know it, yo. Love it. Um, it. So he couldn't get around the Miyagi last time. <laughs> Miyagi. Um, so around this time also is when white settlers had really become to move into the area. Uh, by now there was some peace, but also a lot of conflict between the settlers and the native tribes. Um, this went on until around the 1700s, uh, and this is freaking sweet so i guarantee you not many people know this but i think it's awesome so in the 1700s the eastern part of tennessee was technically north carolina do you know this i'm sure you probably know this yes so it was actually north carolina um and so the north carolina army the government and like majority of the population lived of course on the eastern side of the appalachian mountains it's very tough to get to the western side at least at this time right when was newfound gap found 1800 something yeah so whatever yeah however long ago it was Point is, it still sucked to get across the mountain. You had to climb a mountain. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, anyways. So, what this led to was um, the separation called a lack of protection from the local Cherokee of the area. You know, there was peace somewhere, but there was also conflict. And the people that were over here dealing with the Cherokee tribes, you know, were getting into a lot of trouble. Like, Cherokees were taking back land, there was fighting... But the people, the white folk in the area were not doing too well. So either way, they decided to form their own state and separate from North Carolina and called it the state of Franklin. And that happened in 1781. Um, so, and they elected governor John Sevier. We know that name. He was the one they elected to run it. Uh, Franklin only lasted till about 1789 and was headed to be returned to North Carolina. But the same year was when the Constitution was ratified in North Carolina. And part of the deal when they ratified it was that they returned those lands to the federal government um, to become just a territory of the newly formed United States. That area in the Appalachian, you mean? Yeah, basically... The mountains? You know, it's... I can't remember how many counties, but you could imagine most of East Tennessee. Yeah. Is really what we're talking about at this point. Okay. So... But after that, much of the land west of all this stuff we've already been talking about, the eastern Tennessee section of it, was distributed um, and designated and awarded to Revolutionary War heroes. So if you think about all these different names of all these different counties out west, yep. those are all names of generals that after the war got this giant county as theirs. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is your gift. Yeah. There's always a story of that plaque. Whenever you drive into a county, it's like, this is how this was founded. Mm, yep. It was gifted. Exactly. Um, So that newly uh, formed territory, actually George Washington himself, George Washington himself, appointed William Blunt as the governor of the newly formed territory. We know that name as well. We do? Yeah. Well, at least around here you do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's a high school named after him. You can go see his house. Blunt County. All sorts of nice things. Blunt Mansion. Blount. Yeah. Um, I thought it was was Blount when I moved here. Everyone does. (laughs) <laughs> Blount. Yeah. And Always Maryville. Maryville. <laughs> Merville. Merville. So six years later, 
following that, the federal census was taken, and Tennessee had grown large enough to become its own state. The census borough. That's right. The motherfuckers the census borough. <laughs> <laughs> how come you want the, to know how much I make? The people taking the census shit for the hood. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then uh, in June 1796, a vote was taken in accepting Tennessee as the 16th state of the Union. Uh, during this time, more elections were held, appointing um, John Sevier as governor, William Blunt and William Cock as the two senators. Blunt and, and Cock. I love that. Uh, right? Man, what a hard-ass state. Old old Bill Blunt and Bill <laughs> Cock. Pretty soft. <laughs> Billy Blunt and Billy Cock. And uh, another... Pretty soft. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. Pretty and another guy. name you know, Mr. Andrew Jackson, oh, as our congressman. <laughs> so, that's all I'm going to say about Andrew Jackson. We're just well, going to leave that I, for I got something day. about Andrew Jackson. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. Lay it okay. on me. Uh, no, no, no. Later. No, later. hit us with oh. it right now. I mean, his house, the Hermitage in Nashville, is a uh, tourist attraction, just like the Blunt Mansion. Right. It's a big deal in Nashville. Oh, yeah. His plantation. Yeah. You know, it's... Big deal, like the gardens and the, everything that they have is so incredibly lavish. It's that's that's all. I have something else about Andrew Jackson <laughs> during my part. That, okay, all right, all right, all right. A lesser known act of eighteen thirty that most people don't know about. <laughs> so moving moving a little forward, so we just became a state. So Tennessee during its found, uh, founding was on the fence about emancipation. They allowed free slaves actually the right to vote during the state's constitutional convention as long as they met the landowner rights such as the all the other men at the time. Do you know what that right was, though? To, yeah, you had to own land to be able to vote. No, there's another rule, though, that if your great-grandfather voted in this election, that you could vote, and obviously their great-grandfather oh, couldn't vote. Wow. Really? Yeah, and so. also the other re- restriction of you have to own now, land. Now, like, how many black landowners were exactly. there? There were many changes to the voting laws as well in Tennessee later on. So this was just like upon founding yeah. of what I read. It was how they were able to sleep at night. Right. I mean, the point was is it was We'll give like, them this. Yeah. Tennessee was founding its Dang constitution, it. and they were trying up. to decide whether or not they wanted to be a slave state or not a slave state. Well, shit, they have the right to vote, honey. I mean, they, they can vote all they want. All they got to do is buy some fucking land. That's all they got to do. How hard is that, honey? So... <laughs> However, now get into Sunday school. <laughs> however, over the next few decades, the number of slaves in Tennessee would go from less than 4,000 to almost 150,000 due to the, the new large crop farms popping up in Middle and in West Tennessee. Um, East Tennessee actually wasn't much of a slave-toting area as far as the rest of Tennessee. Um, East Tennessee didn't have nearly as many slaves as Middle and West um, because most people in East Tennessee were sustenance farmers. I'm sure they were, yeah, in the mountains. Right. They the, they grew food for themselves to eat. Yeah. They didn't need somebody to, to do that work for Plow them. the fields. And Whereas yeah. the middle and west Tennessee was much more commercial. It's limited options in the mountains. Right. Moonshine and berries corn. and grapes. And no kale. corn. Yeah. corn A lot of kale. No corn. Corn won't grow because the dirt's too rocky by far. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so 
And then what I was kind of pointing out here now, Malcolm, so in 1834, the right to vote was retracted for African Americans. Um, well, the right to vote was never there. I, I mean, just meant, like, period. <laughs> yeah. Like, they were just like, you know what, that whole thing about owning land, you know, we're going to, no, that's, we're taking that back. Because you don't do that anyway. We're just going to, you know, we're going to erase that one. Um, and then by 1860, the enslaved population in Tennessee rose to 283,000, um, with wow. 7,300 freed slaves. Uh, the total total enslaved population was 25% of Tennessee. Wow. Boy. That's insane. That's insane. No wonder the huge giant plantations. No wonder. What an economy. That's insane, man. I know, right? So, of course, in this, that was also around the same time when the Civil War was starting to break out. Tennessee initially didn't want to secede. Franklin County, though, uh, was going to secede and join Alabama, but it didn't due to Tennessee eventually seceding as a whole in 1860, um, but it was by a very slim margin. Wouldn't that have been something, though? If a little chunk of Tennessee was part of Alabama? If a little chunk of Tennessee joined Alabama and stayed that way through history? It's so <laughs> weird. Like, well, there's Franklin <laughs> County. Yeah. Instead so, of having that nice flat them. line across the yeah. bottom, we're yeah. just going to drive through Alabama. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Such a pain. They'd have reallocated it. So, little known fact, and doesn't quite, I guess it does and it doesn't, I don't know, make sense about what you just said about that slave population going up so rapidly over a course of a few years. Tennessee contributed more soldiers for the South during the war than any other state okay Mm. so more soldiers for the south for the confederacy came from tennessee than any other state however they also contributed more soldiers to the north than any other confederate state that's interesting back Mm. to his point about it being such a close margin of what they were going to secede or not yeah it's one of those states where you hear stories about brother against brother yeah Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of that totally that big state and that seems like just trying to piece it together, it seems like that, I don't know, there was a few that had a lot going on, yeah. and then there was a lot that didn't agree with the few, Yeah, meaning the plantation owners and those that had thousands and thousands of slaves. Wow. This That's is crazy. a lot. I can see like a, a movie coming people. together in my head with this stuff. That man. is That's a insane. lot of people. 250,000 yeah. people? Oh, 283. Yeah. That's insane. That's nuts. What's something cool about Tennessee with... You're probably going to go into how far across it spreads, but there are so many people up in northeast Tennessee that relate more to North Carolinians that, um, and those people who are like in southeast Tennessee, we relate more to people in Georgia and other areas relate to those eight states that are around us. So their opinions are more like focused on Alabama areas or Kentucky areas is very cool. Yeah. So actually how it went all it all went down in May of 1861 East Tennessee about 30 counties of it um actually attempted to secede from the Confederacy confederacy and joined back with the union they met in knoxville um and their request was actually denied when they brought it brought it to nashville Mm. the east tennessee you know and the confederate army was like you know hey they're thinking about seceding and so they just said occupy them so nst was east tennessee was occupied by the confederate troops to prevent secession um it was held by felix zollenkopper i don't know where he's from but either way, he has a cool name. But, of course, people in East Tennessee fought back. There was a lot of guerrilla warfare acted out mm. um, against this occupation, burning bridges, spying, cutting telegraph wires, etc. But pretty much all the battles in Tennessee, or at least I should say most of the battles in Tennessee, were Union victories. Nashville was the first Confederate state capital to fall 
in the war. Hmm. Yeah, I thought that was kind of crazy. But I guess because if you're right on the border, that's yeah, you're, I mean, you're right yeah. there. You must mm-hmm. you guys are on the, coming you're on down. The line. But after the war, Tennessee ratified the amendment making slavery illegal. Then soon after, soon after, ratified the Fourteenth Amendment, and their first centennial was celebrated in Nashville. And they actually celebrated it a year late in 1897. I don't know why, but their main attraction they built was a scale replica of the Parthenon in Greece. Yeah, the, yep. the Nashville Parthenon. It's a huge attraction, huge. and it's made entirely of concrete. Yeah, such a it nice used park. To be. It it's was originally crazy. made with wood, bricks, and plaster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, you know what, let's just concrete this thing. Yep. We made some money off of it. Let's go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Give um, it a facelift. <laughs> um, I still got a little bit to go on, but I'll wrap it up as quick as possible here. But uh, some cool facts here. The most decorated veteran in World War One was actually a man from Tennessee, Mr. Alvin C. York of Fentress County. Yeah, I read that too. Yeah, he was a conscientious... A conscientious oh my God, that's like the hardest word ever to say. Conscientious there you objector. Go. There you go. Uh, there you go. <laughs> who in October of 1918 subdued an entire German machine gun regiment in the Argonne Forest. In July 1925, Tennessee became hot news from a national stage for a Supreme Court case referred to as the State of Tennessee versus Mr. Thomas Scopes, the Scopes trial, Mm -hmm. which was a substitute teacher who taught uh, evolution in his class Whereas the Butler Act in Tennessee had forbid it, and they were, it was actually supposedly set up like they want, like he was set up to be a what's the word pawn a patsy, yeah patsy for like their cause. Uh, then in nineteen 19- scopes, we're gonna use you, man. But you're going down, brother. Go teach way, it. Uh, that's why you're allowed to teach evolution in schools now, is because of that. Supreme Court ruling. In 1933, the Great Depression caused a major lack of work in Tennessee, so the federal government created the Tennessee Valley Authority, the nation's largest public utility. Hmm. Uh, Senator George Norris, you know that name, of Nebraska, he led the fight to form the TVA, uh, and from 1933 to 1951, they constructed 20 hydroelectric dams, as well as many coal-fired power plants. Can I tell you a fun fact about Norris Dam? Please do. I was in there recently, and the company that came in and, like, kind of engineered constructed the whole thing they their company logo was a swastika this was before nazis and before all of that went down so there's all these swastikas all throughout norris dam oh my god really just stamped into the concrete how did i not see that when i took a we took a field trip there when i was in like middle school how did i not probably not something they they probably didn't show that to you you're probably right (laughs) mommy the nazis built norris dam (laughs) (laughs) wow pretty interesting wow that is a crazy awesome fact yeah um so uh this whole project of all these dams and coal plants brought power to over sixty thousand homes and by 1945 it was the largest utility company in the entire nation this also of course caused an industrial boom in the area uh, because of course all these rivers and dams and all this power meant that it was a lot cheaper to get power, you know, down by the river where these plants are wanting to start up, you know, because, you know, if the electricity doesn't, electricity doesn't have to travel very far, of course, it costs a lot less energy mm-hmm. to actually power these plants. So a whole lot of manufacturing popped up around this area. And I'm sure you guys probably just, you know, living around in, in Loudoun County and all the other places along the river, there's just factory after factory after factory everywhere. Yeah, totally. Uh, manufacturing all the way up and down the river. Yeah, that's very true. 
Yep. I guess I never really thought of it, about it being up and down the river, yeah. but it's in small town Tennessee all yeah. over. And, right. And that and was a big reason about the Civil War, why there were so many battles here. Like, that's how they could move troops so quick. Right. Both sides, going up and down the Tennessee River. The river and the railroads. Yeah. The railroad was a huge part of, like, yeah. Shiloh, the, why that battle was so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Skip ahead even further. World War II contributed, a Tennessee contributed a $1.25 billion of their economy to the war effort and over 28 military divisions amounting to 10% of Tennessee's population at the time, fighting in battles from Pearl Harbor to Iwo Jima. Their most prominent contribution to the war was, of course, the Manhattan Project. The most prominent contribution <laughs> to the war. <laughs> um, yeah, it was kind of big. Oh, yeah. yeah. So a little cool fact about the Manhattan Project. I didn't, I'm not going to talk much about it. but So Oak Ridge was a tiny community, quite literally living in the forest. Like, nothing there. A thousand people. Tops. Yeah, not yeah. even that, probably. Yeah. Federal government comes in and sets up Manhattan Project and Oak Ridge National Laboratory and all that sort of stuff. That city grows to 70,000 people in four years. It's always reminded me of like Chernobyl. Mm. Crazy. You know? like Just think about bad how many families, or you know, say some person that's an expert of whatever. Yeah, they want them to come work here. Okay, bring your family. Here's a house for you. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, and they literally built a seventy thousand person totally. city. Oh yeah, and it happens pretty quick when it comes to the laboratory that is building the defense for yeah. the war. Yeah, like, you know that's going to happen real quick. If you have ever been in this area, and you said living in the forest before the Manhattan Project, and if you've ever lived in this area, or if you've ever flown over this area, or even driven through it or seen it, you know that's in the middle of the forest. Oh yeah. So like they literally came in and logged out an yeah. entire city. Yeah. Mm. So that they could have a spot that was protected by mountains and all this. Yeah. For a safe place to build our H our atom bomb. Totally. Yep. There's a reason they put it here. <laughs> and Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. Absolutely. Yep. Can't escape. So fast Brushy forward. Brushy Mountain. <laughs> fast forward a little more into the 60s. Tennessee became one of the most important role players in ending segregation. Many civil rights leaders, such as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., received training in methods of nonviolent protest at the Highlander Folk School in Monteagle, Tennessee, uh, where they taught methods used by Gandhi for peaceful protests. No way. Yeah. I didn't, didn't know, know that. that. No, Monteagle? Cool. Yep. Wow, a little small old Monteagle. Eagle. Yeah, I know, right? That's crazy. Also in the 60s, of course, after decades of segregation, Tennessee's Jim Crow laws were challenged by an organized group of Nashville students from Fish University, the American Baptist Theological Seminary, and Vanderbilt University. The students led by Jim Farmer and John Lewis and ministers from the local black churches, they organized sit-ins with zero violent retaliation. I'm sure that's a famous thing that we are all aware of. Uh, but the sit-ins reacted, uh, uh, reached a turn uh, when Z. Alexander Luby, a lawyer, immigrant, and prominent civil rights leader, had his home bombed. No one was killed, though, so it just they blew his house up, but he was fine. But th- because of this happening, thousands marched on the office of Ben West, who was the current mayor of Nashville at the time. The bombing gave them enough leverage to... Ben con- West? <laughs> Adam Weed? <laughs> but the bombing gave them enough leverage to convince West that segregation was immoral and helped end segregation throughout Nashville. What year was that? Uh, that was 1961. This was one of the first major steps in the nonviolent civil rights movement. I cannot believe that that was still going on in 1961. The older I get and the more that I learn about stuff, mm. I cannot believe that it was that recent. That's oh, recent. Yeah. It's scary. That's that's 
That's crazy. So this event was one of the first major steps in the nonviolent civil rights movement, um, ultimately ending with the Civil Rights Act of 1965. And then just a little bit further forward, 1996, Tennessee's 200 years old, and they opened a state park in Nashville called the Bicentennial Mall, and it's right at the foot of the Capitol Hill in Nashville. And that's uh, about where we come today as far as cool, fancy new things happening to Tennessee. When did we win the national championship? Was that 96? Oh, yeah. Well, we kind of touched on that on the previous episode. Gotcha. Um, oh, 98. But 98. yes, yeah. feels like 98, all those damn shirts. <laughs> yeah. Yep. When is it going to feel like 98 again? So, <laughs> Malcolm. That is a question. That is a good question. That's a treasure trove of information from the Native Americans all the way up to the second 200 years old as a state. Lots of famous people have come from the state. Yeah. Lots of people that are very well known. It blew my mind when I saw some. That's your forte. Tell us oh, about Oh, for sure. There's tons. Um, so there's been a lot of athletes that have come out of... Um, there's so many that you have them grouped into categories? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Cat- like- uh, athletes, movies, music, everything else that follows that. It's ridiculous. Um, it's crazy. Me being from Kansas, hmm. you wouldn't be able to group people from Kansas <laughs> that are famous into those categories. Uh, just- Dorothy... Toto, what else? The scarecrow, the tin man, scarecrow, tin man, lion, that big cat, the big cat, the wizard man, the whiz, yeah, (laughs) yeah. But you got whatever whiz there was. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, for those who don't know, Kansas is our next state. (laughs) It'll be a two-minute episode, (laughs) real quick. Just wait. All right, but athletes, we got Michael Orr. So you guys have seen the movie or heard of the story, The Blind Side. Yeah. Um, he's actually from Tennessee. Reggie White is also from ten- Tennessee. Wilma Rudolph, an Olympic champion from Tennessee. Oscar Robertson, I did not know, but he's from Tennessee. The big O, yeah. really? Triple-double king. No idea. Yeah, hmm. really cool. Yeah, I'm that guy that when you mention somebody, I'm going to just immediately spit out his nickname. Like, I'm, I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah, please, please do that. Uh, we got music coming out of Tennessee by so much. Elvis Presley. Um, the King. Miley Cyrus and her dad, Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah, he's a one-hit wonder. <laughs> that was an interesting progression <laughs> in the list. <laughs> yeah, why did I start with Elvis? Jeez. Elvis and then Billy Ray. <laughs> we got Elvis, we got my... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't get better. Taylor Swift. <laughs> All right, here's better. Greg Allman. Oh, hell yeah. Dolly Parton, Aretha Franklin, Justin Timberlake. Damn, Aretha's from Tennessee? Yeah. How did I not? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, you better R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I'd better. Yeah. I had where in Tennessee. Oh, did man. You get I wrote that it for down. Aretha? Ugh. It's all good. Well, we have technology. We can figure it out, but it, it's all good. <clears throat> you also said, uh, who else? Usher. Usher, baby. Yeah. Usher? He's from, he's from Chattanooga. Yeah. Chattanooga. Chattanooga. No yeah. way. Knew that, yeah. For sure. <laughs> sure. For sure. <laughs> um, Movies-wise, Quentin Tarantino is from Tennessee. I did not know that. Not from either. Knoxville. Yeah, Knoxville. Yeah, he used to work at the UT Video Store. That's crazy. He used Man. to People would check out videos. He'd like. He'd That's why I think probably he, he watched references them all. Uh, Knoxville and like Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Bruce Willis is talking about going to Knoxville. When he's yeah. on the payphone. Yeah, yeah. He's done Pulp Fiction, kill all the Kill Bills. We talked off air about Django yeah. and Shane. If you don't know who Quentin Tarantino is, yeah. stop listening to our show. Yeah, <laughs> you're not gonna get it. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Megan Fox, 
from Tennessee. Yep. yep. Oak Ridge, right? Yep. She was one. She's a product of the nuclear poisoning Pro- that's yeah. in Oak Ridge water. <laughs> Explains the thumbs. <laughs> it creates thumbs. And- what if we create an atom bomb and a model? <laughs> All right, that's a bad idea. <laughs> That'll never work. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is also from Chattanooga. Yep. That's pretty cool. Damn, you're blowing my mind over here. I didn't really? know that. Really? know that? No. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, we can claim him. Um, I did not. I didn't know that both of them were from. I knew Pat Summit was from Tennessee, but I did not know that Coach Fulmer was also from Tennessee, mm-hmm. which is very cool. Andrew Jackson's which from Tennessee. That, sorry to interrupt you, but that's what made it so special for them coaching yeah. and having such success. So, yeah. Mm-hmm that they did at the same time that's homegrown it's also what made it so tough like coming here when i came here like in 2002 2003 era when pat was on her way down after the candace parker years Mm. and fulmer Mm -hmm. was on his way out you could feel that the tennessee fan base nobody was going to be good enough because it wasn't it's hard to follow yeah i I get it now why yeah Yeah. i realized both of them were born and raised in the state big shoes not only successful but they're from here yeah it's cool some other cool things and people that come along with Tennessee, though, would also include Dan Evans. Oh, so if you did not know this already, I'm surprised, but Cracker Barrel came out of Tennessee. Yeah, and Lebanon. He's the, yeah, yeah, he's the founder of it. So thank you, Dan. I appreciate it every Sunday morning and every time I travel on the road. Yeah, I, I love that overcooked piece of ham and the runny biscuit. <laughs> Over runny gravy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Can I tell a quick story about please that? Please, Cracker please, please. So I, no joke, was recently at the Cracker Barrel headquarters shooting, and we got done with the interview. It was the marketing lady. We we're in the faux Cracker Barrel store, and the lady that was taking us around was like, do you want to go to where we keep all the antiques? And we're like, whoa, there's a warehouse where you For keep... antiques. Like, just the yeah, stuff so they like put on they the walls. Yeah, when they pop up a new one, they've yeah. got a whole arsenal of yeah, things yeah. ready. So she took us to this place, and there's millions of items. She said that each item gets a tag. There's three million tags, but each item could have up to 50 of identical copies. Holy shit. And this warehouse, I mean, we couldn't walk through all of it. I mean, it was insane. But they have identical copies of, like, oil cans from the 40s. So, but is that, like, fake manufactured no, stuff? No, no, it's like, real. No, this... Really? Yeah, the guy who curates all of it started... His parents had a antique store, and they, when this gentleman came and made the first Cracker Barrel, he went to their antique store and was like, hey, we want to put a lot of antiques on the wall. Mm. And then as the stores grew, they ended up shutting down their antique store and just providing antiques to Cracker Barrel as <laughs> the chain grew. Well, wow. this this guy was their kid. He was a busser at Cracker Barrel, and now he curates all of the antiques for this place. Wow. So he goes and finds like... For a warehouse with three million things in it. Yeah, just three million. Ta- I mean, there's probably ten million items in there. Honestly. Oh, oh, I see what you meant by so, the yeah, duplicate like, tags. So yeah, like there's three oh. million tags, but each tag could have fifty items that are oh, identical. Okay. So he'll go to a place and wow. be like, "Oh wow, look at those signs! I'll buy all of them." Whoa! And if he buys in that quantity, you can you know pretty cheap. But yeah, it's really interesting. And he doesn't resell them; he uses them for visual purpose. Yeah, That's absolutely. the crazy part. And about every it. but he can turn that into a money making business by yeah. having the contract with. Totally. It keeps with those Cracker what Barrels my dad, looking awesome and what my dad calls Crackle Barrel. Yeah. 
crackle bear. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, sorry yeah. for the side. No, no, dude, I yeah. like it. Pretty interesting. What is the headquarters like, though? Is there a floor for rocking chairs? A floor for pancakes? A floor for? <laughs> I- I'm just curious. They have a mock store where they like do whatever season's coming up, like Christmas. It was all decorated for Christmas, mm-hmm. you know. And they figure out exactly where to put how they want to lay out everything. everything. Yeah, and they have people Makes come sense. through. Like, oh, my attention's drawn here. Let's take that away or something like that. You know, like they make sense. I mean, it's detailed. It's pretty insane. They're the the of concept it. of it is what is so cool and yeah. what was innovative yeah. at the time. Yeah. Bring a general store and bring my kitchen. Totally. And I'm going to make them with a hallway between them. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to add some tables. Whatever grandma owned, put it on the wall. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> It'll be great. Put it on the wall. <laughs> get a recipe. Get that picture out the shitter. <laughs> put it over the table and let's bring in some people. Hold on. Is that a moose right there? Get that thing real quick. Perfect. Shoot it. Put the anthers on the wall. <laughs> Perfect. Start a fire. <laughs> the one uh, up the road here, there's like a real gun on the above the fireplace in that one. So that was it? another thing that was interesting. Anywhere that they are putting these antiques, they are specific to the area where that Cracker Barrel is. Oh, Even like better. That. So I like, like that. And they also have this policy. If anything they put on the wall, you can prove is your family's, they'll give it to you. So like they wow. they no. had their this lady came in it was like her great grandmother's <laughs> high school diploma and she proved it and they gave it to her off the wall. Hold on, how'd you guys get that? <laughs> <laughs> Honey, that's fine. You get that, brother? I never could get into college. <laughs> I told you I graduated. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh wow. Yeah. That is actually very cool. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. That makes sense though, because going into a local cracker barrel, I could I could notice some things that are relatable to the county or that city specifically. So totally. That yeah. makes sense. That's very cool. Another cool place that came out of Tennessee that's kind of in decline now, but Piggly Wiggly came out of Tennessee. Yeah. Hmm. Piggly Wiggly is known as the first self service grocery store, which is another fun thing. It's crazy because you you don't see them here anymore, but you'll see them more like on the East Coast. Mm. Yeah. The more you go towards the beach, you'll see a lot of Piggly Wiggly. It always reminds me of going to Myrtle Beach. Yeah. I don't know why. (laughs) Because there's like four or five of them on the drive there. Totally. Really? Yeah. Hmm. There's one in Loudoun. No. Yeah. Yeah. I still there. That. There's one in Loudon. It's just down the road from here. Wow. I don't I don't drive down there. There's still a lot in West Tennessee too. <laughs> really? I travel out there a lot and like you there's nothing around. Not I would have never nothing. guessed. Like I knew Crystal was from here, but yeah. Piggly Wiggly no. Yeah. Hmm. Other things that are from here involve drinks. So the first bottling facility actually is based out of Chattanooga. Um first Coca Cola bottling facility right beside chattanooga didn't know that they got the rights to that by paying one dollar it was very interesting i i have some friends that have been that were born and raised in chattanooga like my college roommates Mm -hmm. and they told me that fact a long time ago and they said that the the inn people that bought it for a dollar had like family ties or some kind of close ties to the people at coca-cola so it was more like a favor that they were doing for selling it to them for a dollar knowing that they gotcha could. like it was more like a legal thing yeah you couldn't give it to them for free for, yeah so exactly. they had to and sell chattanooga it for is a distribution hub like the river and the train tracks mm-hmm. yeah like that's why chattanooga was so big because yeah. everything had to go through chattanooga exactly other things that came out of tennessee with drinks is mountain dew i knew that Woo! and when i found that out when i moved here i was so excited yeah man i drink, drank so much mountain dew in high school there's a can yeah. on the table right now yeah i'm mainlining so this shit right now <laughs> 
Brought to you by Mountain Dew, BRV. <laughs> and Five Gun. And Tennessee Whiskey. Jack Daniels yep. came out of Tennessee, which we talked about a little bit earlier. I hate to say it, but Kentucky has better whiskey than we do. Oh, come on. Really? Dude, I'm, uh, I'm not a Jack Daniels guy. Have you had the single barrel? I probably are you going like, like top shelf whiskey, or are you going something that's same level as Jack, but from Kentucky? Well, Jack Daniels like twenty five bucks a fifth. Oh, you got you can do better than that. Twenty bucks a fifth. No, I mean that that's the black label. You should do the single barrel. Okay, oh, I'm yeah, just yeah. saying like they're like their main liner. I guess yeah. is what I'm trying to yeah. say here. Okay, their main liner. Yeah, okay. it's just not good enough for you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's almost you whiskey like too, snob? it's almost like too sweet. Like I don't know, I don't like it straight. So what are you like? Knob it's a Creek? good mixer whiskey for sure. It definitely is that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But globally, oh, I'm, globally, it's like what Tennessee's good. most famous for. I, I think. Doesn't matter who you talk to. I think honestly, they said that their global market outweighs their U.S. market right now. Hmm. It's I that would make insane. sense. Yeah, that's insane. I believe that. Yeah. Three people I want to recognize really quick because I enjoy them. Um, Justin Timberlake is one of them. Memphis. He's from Memphis, Tennessee. He was on as a kid, as an actor for Star Search and Mickey Mouse Club. So if you yep. remember those, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, it was Mickey Mouse Clubhouse with Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. Yeah, a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of cool people from that. All three of them were on there, and he was probably they were probably both his girlfriends, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> probably. <laughs> he's the he was the youngest member of NSYNC. Um, he's won awards for the Emmys, the Grammys, Billboards. Um, he won the MTV Video Vanguard Award, which is a very cool award too. Very. Um, prestigious mm-hmm. <laughs> prestige uh, another person i relate to just because she wasn't born in tennessee Taylor but Swift. was raised <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> who said that <laughs> was raised in tennessee was reese witherspoon oh um she's legally blonde for, yep exactly yep. she's known for acting being a producer um she actually has a company that opened its doors in tennessee which is called draper james that's in nashville so mm-hmm. for our bloggers our lady bloggers that are out there they probably know what i'm talking about oh i guarantee they know what you're talking for about sure. and then the other one i'd like to recognize because is dolly parton um and the reason i'm recognizing her is because recently tennessee had those fires i think it was last year was yep. it last year yeah, yeah. 2016 yeah um and dolly parton was a big contributor to she threw um, down. making yeah. sure that yeah, things were did. getting repaired and whatnot um She's the reason why there's Dollywood. She's she's been nominated for plenty of different stuff. The list goes on and on. But dude, um, one of my favorite. I just want to say this really. Yeah. Quick. Do, do you do the uh, the free book? Oh, the the Dolly. The, book? What is it called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, now I've drawn a blank on the uh, name of the. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. But Dolly Parton yeah. does this thing for anybody that wants to sign up. Any okay. kid from the ages of one to five. There's a free book every single month that yeah. comes in the mail. Yeah. And like you know, we do it, and every month you get a cool new it's like book. Like Imaginarium. Or yes, something. that's yeah. what exactly what it's called. Yeah, I have those. Oh. I get those all the time because I got two kids. But yep. she does that for everyone that lives in Tennessee that wants to sign up. Yep. If that you're born in kids. a Tennessee hospital, they ask you in the hospital, "Do you want to sign up for the Dolly Parton yep. Book Club?" Yep. Totally remember hmm. that. And we were like, "Absolutely, a yeah. free book." Yeah. Yeah. We Once a month, of course. And talk about talent. I've worked with her a oh, few times. Yeah, Whole, really. Yeah, please. Her, talk she's about tiny. It. You got you got yeah, tell yeah, us. yeah, super tiny. Please talk about this. So yeah, we did a piece with First she, Amendment. She has like a, boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Never let you down. 
she actually did say something to the sound guy one time. He was like miking her, and she's like, "I'm sorry, there's a lot to dig through." You know, oh, something my like God. that. Mm. I, and I believe that. Yeah, no, I mean she's super humble. I've heard that she's like, had a she's she has a awesome. Betty White type of personality. Oh, yeah, but she gets on set, and I mean, I know I'm gonna go home early. Like she's not one of these people that takes like all these takes and mm. stuff like that. Like she's on it. Yeah, she's a performer for her sure. and Peyton Manning. Surprisingly, like Peyton Manning, that dude is on point. How did we not get this out of you during? The, I know, right? The episode. So you've you've filmed Peyton Manning before? Yeah, yeah. We did some spots for uh, Tanova Hospital. No, you oh. done those? Yeah, yeah. The one where the one they, where the people are running and they trip. The the one I've worked on was there was a locker room where Peyton Manning was like giving a speech and it was where he was going around to, to all the nuns and getting them to like yes. do the. Oh, it's good. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. It was I was so much fun, but I Cody, I lost, that's amazing. Yeah, man, he is he's top notch. Seriously, that's him, incredible. He and Dolly Parton, like chicken I, parm, you <laughs> taste so good. <laughs> man, yeah. no. Have you seen his newest one with uh, him talking about finally getting into fantasy football? Oh yeah, no. <laughs> Have you seen that? And like, it, when if you like see the breakdown, like yeah. he's he's a commish. Yeah, you know, yeah. for a league and. Yeah. He's, Get on the phone with what looks to be like an 11 or 12 year old kid and he's giving him all this shit and if you like really pay attention to the background you see his garage door in the back so he's oh got like Mark. this thing set up in his garage oh it's it's incredible i need to watch that i just got into fantasy football this year actually so we got Same. him into it they yeah me in. yeah nice it's i good. beat him this week though so he's Shut upset up. about that all right we gotta we gotta get on to some more stuff so all right you're done with dolly yeah she's yeah. she's incredible i mean of course incredible you have to, of course woman. you have to talk about Dolly Parton and sure I'm sure she's you know going to be nominated or is nominated or has won as many you know philanthropy and humanitarian type of awards as she has music or that type of awards she's incredibly yeah, she is the 2011 giving. Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award I mean she's incredibly giving to her hometown in that area so when those wildfires happened you had to know that Dolly was going to step up mm-hmm. so it was good to see so speaking of those areas one of the things I want to talk about is some some main reasons to come to Tennessee some things that you will see when you come to Tennessee attractions that kind of thing I think I would be definitely remiss if I didn't start off with just segueing from Dolly Parton into the Great Smoky Mountain National Park mm. um, I, I think that's just kind of a natural you have done a lot of shooting totally so a lot of camping too man i think you and you've camped a lot you've hiked a lot so much uh, mount lacan clingman's dome cade's cove all of those things you guys have you know firsthand knowledge of and experiences with so yeah you got being in here is perfect so uh but basically the the great smoky mountain national park it's located inside the great smoky mountains (laughs) that kind of makes sense pretty the great smoky mountains are basically a lower piece of the appalachian mountains so it's just kind of a north carolina tennessee just that whole smoky area yeah Yeah. smoky So, which actually has like a fog and a haze that hangs over it. That's the name, you know. It's pretty much right on the Tennessee-Carolina border, like Hayden said. It covers over 522,000 acres, and it's one of the largest protected areas in the eastern United States. It is the most visited national park. Last year, there were over 11, actually almost 12 million visitors that came to the park last year. I think some of that probably had to do with 
you know the the fires it would have been bigger than that yeah mm-hmm. it's it's by mm-hmm. it's always annually the bigger the biggest and it still with the fires and the drop still had the most visitors of any national park which i thought was relatively amazing so the appalachian trail goes right through the middle of the park and the appalachian trail those people from around here know exactly what it is mm-hmm. but those from not from around here like me not growing up here wasn't really familiar with it it extends all the way from maine down into georgia, georgia. Yep. correct yep you know and anyone you start, that's ever... and you start in georgia it's like average six month trip i think uh, it just depends on who you are. Yeah. I, I be, dude, okay. One time we did like 100 miles of the AT. Like, yeah. It was awesome. It was like a five-day trip. And we ran into uh, this couple that were vegans, and they were probably the two most fit people I've ever seen in my entire life. And they were doing the whole AT, and their goal was to do it in two and a half months. They were doing like 36 miles a day with their backpacks and everything, total vegan diet the whole way. I'm talking, we were just like jaw dropped at these people, but they like busted into camp, slept for like eight hours, put their bags back on and took off again. Yeah. We were just like, we talked to them for like the hour of us all cooking dinner and having a fire. Yeah. Cause you know, when you're in a big camp, totally. area, you typically one fire and everybody kind of chills together and talks about where they're from. Yeah. And but we were just like sitting there like jaw dropped. Like we're trying to do like 10 to 12 miles a day yeah. and y'all are doing yeah. like 36. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, but we the, we're, the we're vegan not down thing with works that. though. It works. <laughs> holy crap! Been doing that recently. It, it was it just mind blowing. Yeah. Mind blowing. Huh? That's interesting. Well, a charter Congress chartered the park in 1934, and FDR dedicated in 1940. Actually, something I would have never thought, and I don't know if a lot of people know much about this, but John D. Rock- Rockefeller was a primary financier of the park and gave five million dollars towards the accumulation of the land, the clearing of the land, and really the overall setup of the park. Hmm. $5 million from him, $2 million from the state, and then the rest was privately funded and all that. thought it was $2 million from Congress, okay. from the federal government, and then the rest was privately funded. The state didn't pay for any of the park. It was actually relatively interesting, hmm. the funding of the park. So I say all that, and then I say <clears throat> the park has kind of a dark history. At least I say dark because for lack of a better word, and it's forming. It, it wasn't just open forest land that all of a sudden was deemed protected. It was actually inhabited and then people were cleared out and then it was deemed protected. Elkmont. So it was mm-hmm. it was pretty when I read about it, it goes all what I'm gonna talk about goes all the way back to eighteen thirty. So mm. it, st- it started with the Indian Removal Act of 1830, which was enacted by Andrew Jackson, yeah. mm-hmm. which had a lot to do with what you were talking about with the wealthy landowners or the generals and the brothers of war getting all these this land, having all these problems with Indians. So then he in- institutes the Indian Removal Act, where it was basically round up and kick out all Indians that were east of the Mississippi River. So Cherokee Indians were very, very vibrant in the Smoky Mountain National Park area, a la Cherokee, North Carolina, being the closest city across the border, being named after them. So yeah. so I was really turned to the story of the Indian, the Cherokee warrior named Solly. Have you ever heard of this guy? Mm-mm. Solly, T-S-A-L-I. Does the word Solly mean anything to you? You ever heard that word? Solitary? Alone? I don't know. I'm Is like, that a neighborhood in Tulica Village? Solly Notch Vineyards. You ever heard of that? Nope. Mm-mm. You haven't? See, the spelling seems familiar to me. T-S-A-L. Yeah. You're probably yeah. right about it being a street in Telco Village, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, this Cherokee warrior named Solly was basically resisting the roundup, okay? Um, the story kind of goes, I'll go quickly go through it, but he and his family, his wife, 
his brand new baby that's with his wife and then his older son and his brother are being rounded up by these people of bayonet point and they're walking the wife stops to tend to the baby for a second one of the officers gets off the horse and starts beating her and prodding her with uh, the bayonet loads her and the baby up on the horse and as they're loading up on like and taking off on the horse the baby falls off of the horse hits its head on the ground and dies instantly and they just keep going so Solly and his brother, obviously, are witnesses to this. And then later that night, they ambush and kill the officers that did this. So then they take their family and they disappear into the Smoky Mountains and basically up into the hills. And word gets out to other Cherokee Indians that are being rounded up by these people. And they're fleeing to go to Solly's, you know, spot up in the Smoky Mountains. Yeah. So to get this to kind of end, because all locals and everything, Thing are worried about the Solly warrior that's going to come down and kill him. So basically, they made a truce with him that if he gave himself up, him and his brother, if they gave himself up, they would allow the rest of the Cherokee people to stay. So that now is how there is still a Cherokee population that's at the foot of the Smoky wow. Mountains. So the more I started reading about it, I said, that is incredibly crazy. And Solly Notch Vineyards is simply named after him because they survived off grapes and berries when they were in the Great Smoky Mountains living off the land. Wow. So that was was really, really, really cool. Um, Cade's Cove is the most, the single most visited spot in uh, Great Smoky Mountain National Park. And where they kick people out. Yeah. yeah. See, Cade's <laughs> Cove was also where the settlers were. Yeah. And then the settlers just ended up getting evicted. It was it was just a very simple, you got to get the hell out of here. Are you All touching on anything on Elkmont? No. Okay, just 10 seconds. So, yeah. like, Elkmont was another place inside the Great Smoky Mountain inside the Great Smoky Mountain National Park that was inhabited by people that were getting kicked out when they were turning it into a park. And the deal was they bought them out of their land, but you didn't you could choose to leave and get bought out or you could get bought out but stay until a cert until you die. But you could not pass down your property to your heirs. And so there were people living in the national park, I think it was all the way up until like the seventies or eighties or maybe even Well do you remember the guy that lived in Cades Cove? I mean you yeah, I mean that that guy lived there till we were in middle school or something like yeah. that. But they didn't. really, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, he had bees, he had a beehive up there. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, they didn't forcefully remove the white people, but <laughs> yeah. they let them yeah. live as long as until they died. But they couldn't let their kids take over the property. But Elkmont, dude, you got to go up there and see it. There's houses that are like straight out of the '60s and yeah. '70s. There's a whole block of them. Yep. And they're just like people that lit like a modern town, but right in the middle of nowhere hmm. up in the top of the mountain in Elkmont. It's a great They were all people that worked for the TVA and the National Park Project helping to build everything. And that's yeah. where they their houses were. Wow. It's mind-blowing, dude. You no, gotta go up there. I, I mean, I've heard of Elkmont and all that, but I just I wasn't going to go into it. That's really crazy. It's super interesting. Uh, when I read that Cade's Cove was the most visited part of it, that kind of blew my mind, though. I would have thought people would want to go up the mountain and want to see the view, you know, of Clingman's Dome. They like, want to see them deer and birds. It's a car. It's a they, car thing. Just stay in the car. Stay in the car. Through. You get to see the old houses and yeah. a lot of and the, the cabins, homesteads yeah. are still very well preserved. Yeah. The whole setup for me when I got to see it, being from the plains, seeing the plains with mm-hmm. mountains in the backdrop, it was literally yeah. plains that are surrounded by it's mountains cove. on all sides. And I was yeah. that blew me away for yeah. me being from somewhere where you could see for fifty five miles. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway, um, 
Klingman's Dome uh, at the highest point, it's 6,643 feet, and 16 different mountains throughout the park rise above 6,000 feet. Klingman's Dome being the highest highest point the park sees more annual rainfall than anywhere in the united states outside of the pacific northwest and hawaii huh. it's technically a rainforest right like a temperate rainforest yes. i believe yeah yes yeah smoky mountains is yeah yes is yeah. that what makes the fog i guess technically well i just think it, it just the they receive rainfall, over yeah. uh, between 55 and 75 inches of annual rainfall yeah in the mountains so interesting that makes sense i bet that's because it's a mountain and clouds condense on it yeah. You know what? The whole stupid fact I've talked about with Tennessee being number two to Florida and different species of wildlife. Yeah. It's a lot due to that. It's due to the rainfall yeah. that the forest sees. Yeah. It's a temperate rainforest, like yep. you just said, and that helps yep. to create life and the ability for over 10,000 different species of plants and animals. Yeah. We think about like deer and just stuff like that. Just in the forest alone. But like salamanders in the park. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, hundreds of different varieties. 1,700 varieties of flowering plants, yeah. or non-flowering plants, 4,000 varieties of flowering plants. Yeah. Yeah, there are people that come all over the world just for the wildflowers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So the it's located, you know, just outside of Gatlinburg, and it's amazing. Gatlinburg, you've called it the Myrtle Beach of the South. <laughs> I, I, I have get your airbrush t-shirts. Yeah, uh, get go to bumper cars and all that. No, but it definitely was new, cool for me coming here. I know that any one of my friends that come visit, that's they want to go to Gatlinburg. They want to go to the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, so it's really cool. Um, I want to move on to something else, though. You've ever... I know that you've heard of Craighead Caverns in the Lost Sea, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Lost Sea, yeah. Yeah. It's located in Craighead Caverns, which that's probably the lesser-known part of it. Um, but the Lost Sea is the <clears throat> United States' largest and the world's second-largest underground lake. So, again, being a kid from Kansas, caves... You're under- like, wait, lakes underground? Underground lake? <laughs> caves? What the... Yeah, those types of things are just new to me. So, of course, it's like, holy crap, that's interesting. But the second to an underground cave called Dragon's Breath, the Dragon's Breath Cave in Namibia, Africa. So it was discovered after the Craighead Caverns in the the Lost Sea. For a long time, the Lost Sea was thought to be the world's largest underground lake. So Hmm. that aside, it's located in the foothills of the Smoky Mountains, and the caverns were originally used by Cherokee Indians as a meeting place, later turned into mines for saltpeter by Confederate soldiers. Saltpeter is an ingredient in gunpowder. Boom, boom. So they had to mine the caves for saltpeter, kick the Indians out, just like they kicked them out for every other reason. But there's a pattern here. Can Definitely you imagine a meeting, though? Like, a, a whole Cherokee. Oh, my goodness. And it was probably it was so multiple cool. tribes. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, probably... Imagine if the Native Americans had guns yeah. in the beginning. There were way more here than we know, too. Oh, and like, their ability we, to I've, fight I, and their warrior yeah. skills, if they had guns, it wouldn't even have oh. been a match. Actually, what am I saying? It wasn't even the guns. If they were immune to disease, yeah. imagine what would have been yeah. different. Yeah, that's, that's true. The, that's yeah. the more accurate statement there. Yeah. yeah. It's a good way to put it. Um, along with, you know, the different uh, minerals and all that, that they could get out of it, there's extensive collections of crystals that run all through the cavern. So if you've huh. been into any caves in Tennessee, I'm sure you've seen those stalactites, stalagmites, and anthracites, which are just basically three different types of collections of different crystals mm-hmm. that grow in big giant collections. And some just grow different ways, and that's the difference really between them. One of the coolest things that was found in the Craighead Caverns was a Pleistocene, is it Pleistocene? 
Pleistocene, 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 a Pleistocene Jaguar was found in, and do you know what like time period Pleistocene was? That's like was? pre-humans, I thought. It definitely was pre-humans. No, 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 what? 2.6 no, no, no. Pleistocene, million. Pleistocene, I thought, was like it goes, 10 to 20,000 years ago or something like that. It ranges from 11,700 years ago to 2.5 million years ago. Oh, it's that long. Yes. Okay, I was thinking like 20,000 So years Ice ago. Age. It goes through the Ice Age. Basically, yeah, okay. Pleistocene means and Ice then, Age. Okay. So Follow. I figured that you would be the guy to go to with how to pronounce that word, though. But this jaguar was extremely, extremely large that they found in this. So it was really, really cool. They found bones. They have, like, um, petrified... uh, Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Uh, Footprints. They have petrified footprints in the cave. So, again, finding all this stuff, they're like, this has got to be a tourist attraction. Uh, 1947, the Cavern Tavern was built. They put a dance floor down in there. (laughs) That's the Cavern Tavern. This is, again, in Sweetwater, small Sweetwater, Tennessee. I don't know if I mentioned that. But it's in where we you went know what saw this the place eclipse. is missing. <laughs> a dance floor. We need a dance floor and some, some Elvis, y'all. I bet the acoustics were great, though. But oh, these are just the caverns. Yeah, sure. So the Lost Sea is the main attraction nowadays. Nowadays, And the Lost Sea was initially found in 1905 by a curious 13-year-old spelunking boy that's just going through the cave and ends up finding this little hole. Have either one of you gone caving? you got to get kid? on your belly oh, and I've crawl. I've went caving a lot. I so, love it. Yeah, I've gone so caving, much fun. Too. Did you, like... And you've been caving, too? Mm-hmm. As tall as you are, you didn't get freaked out? <laughs> I know, right? No, I have to keep ducking my head Shit. every second. Like, it's hard to be on? raised in Tennessee and not get into a cave. Yeah. We have so many of them. I know, but it's hard to not be raised or in Tennessee hike. and jump into one and be like, sure, I'll go into that small, <laughs> confined space with you guys. Nope. But but did you guys ever find yourself like, oh, shit, I see a crack. I'm going to go down that crack. I've only been in caves that were pre-explored, so yeah, I've never I've never done yeah. free spelunking. Free spelunking. We had a friend. We have a friend that Jeremy Teagues. He does that. Yeah, he he goes into caves and I love me some rock climbing, them, but ugh, yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. Like one of my college roommates that grew up in Chattanooga, he grew up on Signal Mountain. He did that all the time. Like yeah. that was going caving was one of his things. Yeah, it was one mm. of the things that he did. They just throw on their headlamp, and then him and his buddy would just go and just. Randomly, and that's basically how the Lost Sea was found. This kid was just going through without proper equipment or anything. He has a lantern, and he died. And himself, <laughs> no, oh. no, actually, very, very smart and resourceful kid. So anyway, he gets through this small little hole and finds a very, very large room that his lantern couldn't light all of it. So it's, it's a, it was that big. So what he started doing was grabbing balls of mud. And just chucking them. And then he started hearing splashes in water. And it kind of freaked him out a little bit because there was no water down there. And then he was trying to gauge, like, how far away the water was and all that. Mm -hmm. But just hearing water at all freaked him out. Well, especially Hmm. if you can't see the other side of the (laughs) room. Can't see it. So, anyway, he knew that there was water in there. But, again, this is a 13-year-old boy. And, obviously, the... kid that wanders a lot back so, yeah. when kids were smart who's gonna believe that who's but who's gonna believe that kid if he comes back and says something outlandish when he's the one that's probably seen a bunch of crazy shit anyway he comes back and tells people about it they don't really believe him but his dad wants to go down there and see it by the time they get back down there and see it the water level had risen so the entrance into that cave was now not accessible so everyone thought he was lying about it and then about 20 30 years later someone went down there when the water level was low enough and they were able to actually enter that spot and then they were able to excavate some stuff and they were able to drill it and they were able to actually make it a tourist attraction mm. now so like i said it's the second largest underground lake in the world uh, boat tours are available across the 880 foot long 220 foot wide visible surface of 
of the lake. And you can only imagine the number of diving expeditions that have been done down there mm-hmm. where they're trying, they ex- explore down into other caverns and rooms. There's off of trout the lake. in there. It's, yeah. It's, it's incredible what they're able to do down there. And this again, it's just a whole nother world. It's underground. Yeah, totally insane. Think about being that poor kid, though. Like, oh, that's the Turner kid. He's crazy. He thought there was a lake down there. <laughs> <laughs> or more like the water level change. So what happens if he was in there when the lo- water level changed? Yeah. yeah. How yeah. many people? How many, <laughs> how many Indian meetings were interrupted by a oh, yeah. starch, you know, stench <laughs> rainfall? So, uh, And then the last place I want to talk about, it's actually up on Lookout Mountain. Um, Ruby Falls and Rock City. Either one of you guys been? Yup. Both. You been to both? You been to both? I have, yeah. So I haven't been to either. Uh, you ain't been on a field trip unless you've been there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. Everywhere on the highway it says, see Rock City. Yeah. So have you not been yet? Yeah, and I can tell you about that. It's actually really cool. It was a barn roof style ad that you could see in the 70s and 80s, and you were literally subjected to, I mean, dozens if not hundreds in a short mile drive. They're still all over the place. Yeah, yeah. everywhere. There were there was this guy, what's his name? Clark Byers painted over 900 barn roofs over 19 states wow. from 1935 to 1969. That's actually really cool. Up and down I-75. Did he did like did he pay these barns or what how, was there compensation or was it just a trend? No, people paid him and it, I'll get into it. Oh, wow. But Malcolm kind of jumped on crazy. Malcolm jumped on something that I I had so I figured I'd just jump into the stats of it, but 19 different states and it from 35 to 69 he was painting them for 34 years. Just, just see Rock City. See over. himself. See Rock City, and it was, it was all on the roofs. I bet he was, was real cool. good at it. <laughs> so it was. It was. I wonder really how cool. long. What was his record? I wonder how quickly you think yeah. he could do that. Right. Right. Or how was, many could he paint at the at once? Yeah. And it's crazy. I mean, us living here in Loudon, Lenore City area, you can still see him on barns in Everywhere. this area. Yeah. Really? It's incredible. And what I do, like, I look at him like, man, what a marketing idea that was. Like, he's just, like, riding around his buggy, like, huh. This was pre-billboards lining the interstate yeah. system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, not so not a buggy, but, yeah, riding around in a car, like, huh, advertisement on there. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, and Rock City is just, basically, it's up on top of Lookout Mountain. And it, the claim is, from a lot of people that started it, is that you can see seven states from the famous mm-hmm. Lover's Lookout. So you've been there. Yeah. Think you can see seven states? It's got to be a real clear day. Yeah, on a clear day, you can. Like, you can see, I think, like four states right from Clingman's Dome. Yeah. Is that right? And that's got to be a real clear day. It's got to be really clear. Like, real clear. Not very common around here. But yeah, you got to pick the right day, or Mm -hmm. else it ain't happening. Hmm. Well, Garnet Carter is a guy that bought a lot of the land up there. You ever heard the name Garnet Carter? Mm -mm. I imagine that Garnet Network in Knoxville has a lot to do with Mr. Garnet Carter. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he is. Considered to be one of the fathers of mini golf, believe it or not. <laughs> um, nice. He wanted to create a town up on Rock City. So he buys all this 700 acres of land and he wanted to create like a fairy tale land. His wife had an obsession with that style of English. Uh, folklore fairy tale that kind of stuff so he wanted to give her this this land and he wanted to have a full golf course on there but because that was not feasible with the land and the cost he made a mini golf course called tom thumb golf course you ever heard of tom thumb golf course yeah okay so this guy started tom thumb golf course within two years it goes from one on the side of lookout mountain to thousands of franchises across the united states he sells that and he's able to have a fortune to where he can invest in rock city and he can then basically turn by the time 
time he's building his golf courses, his wife is, again, obsessed with this English fairy tale lifestyle. So she's dolling up the Rock City area. She's, you know, creating a walkway that from the entrance to the lookout spot that has flowers and plants and all this exotic wildlife. And if you've been there, I'm sure that's what you remember seeing is all these crazy things. And this is from his wife just basically turning it into her own personal garden. Mm. And then he was like, shit, honey, you got something here that I could charge money for. So I'm going to turn this into an attraction and I'm going to pay this buyer's dude to go paint some barn roofs and we're going to have an an attraction here. So it's basically what it turned into. Mm, That's Um, cool. It's a long (laughs) trail of rocks, insanely large boulders all over the place. Um, But she just basically turned it into a tourist attraction by planting trees and tidying it up like a personal garden wow so it's pretty cool she made it the garden of her dreams and it was profit by 1932 built on mini golf built on built on mini golf (laughs) that's the best i love that um and then ruby falls which is you know right next to i guess it's below (laughs) technically Mm -hmm. uh rock city because it's underground it's the located within lookout mountain it's a 140 foot 145 foot high underground waterfall uh the stream that feeds the falls is a 1120 foot underground creek is fueled by rainwater and natural springs eventually making its way to the tennessee river at the base of the mountain ruby falls cave has absolutely no natural openings before the 20th century and was found almost by accident so malcolm you've been there right Yep. So how did that go down? You said that the tour guide te- what, crawled through something. You were mentioning that earlier. Well, yeah, yeah, pretty much. No, not the tour. But yeah, the tour guide explains how. Um, That's what I meant. He explained. Yeah. Not him. Like, hey, let me go Malcolm fetch this out Malcolm spoke with him quick. personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you go down this elevator. It's been a while since I've been. I went multiple times in elementary. But um, you go down this elevator and they take you to <clears throat> this cave area. And he starts um, this video that explains how they got there and the group of people that went down this long path that they drilled down and how the guy just starts crawling on his stomach chipping away little by little and then finally comes to this open area and here's the waterfalls um or here's the waterfall and decides to name it after i think was his wife um it was but then there's that ruby area where you can where you have the light turn on and you can see this big ginormous waterfall coming out of a cave which is rare but cool yeah and that stream that feeds it like i said is the it's underground 1200 feet and it's just fed mm-hmm. by rainwater and it's that's, it's high up it's crazy so fun fact about that water although it's pure because it comes from springs and things like that uh it's not safe to drink did they tell you that while you're there i didn't try so <laughs> You can't drink the water. It's very, very high levels of magnesium in it, making it an extremely aggressive laxative. So, <laughs> oh, man. Aggressive, he says. You can, but you're going to have, like, hairy type of shits from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Just run into the bathroom. i got to get these eggs out. <laughs> so they do the Ruby Falls Haunted Caverns and for Halloween yeah. season, which mm-hmm. I imagine would be terrifying if they do yeah. it right. A lot of people love it. If they do it right, it would be terrifying. Another good thing is the rock. They need to put Pennywise down there this year and fuck oh, with some people. Oh, my God. Oh, man. If Pennywise was down in the caverns. Talk about a promotional stuff. Yeah, that's Woo! true. Ugh. That's man terrifying. I don't know. I would I, flip out. I, Clowns yeah. would probably all they die. all they really would have to do is just hang red balloons everywhere. <sighs> yeah, just one red yeah, balloon. Just one. Or have it float down <laughs> from the falls when oh. they turn on the light. Just Get one. out of the darkness. <laughs> yes. It's got a light on it and it's just dropping. Oh mercy. 
No. Oh my no, god. Thank you. If I saw a red balloon outside now, I would shit my pants. <laughs> so don't you know? I don't have to go to a cave for that shit. Uh, and just like Rock City, Ruby Falls did the same thing with the billboard advertising. They didn't do it on barn roofs, but they did billboards, and they're everywhere. There's one on Highway 11. There's one a mile from here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. See Ruby Falls. Yep. Mm-hmm. Same thing. See Ruby Falls. See Rock City. And I'm telling you, man, that shit worked. I mean, all of the they span about 200 to 250 miles north on I-75, and they go all the way down about uh, 100 miles or so down into Georgia. I don't know if red is a marketing technique, but both of them use that red, the same red color, and it's just so visible. Like, you don't even have... You could be a mile away from it and not even see what the words say, but see that red color and the white font and Mm -hmm. already know... What I wonder if they about. own like the patent on the, all of that because like the font for, and everything. For is the example, same. like my grandmother has one of those bird houses that has the mm. roof painted. Yep, Sea Rock City. Yep, yep. You know, like I wonder if they like they do. They get the profit on all that too. They do. It's funny the article that I was reading about buyers and the guy that painted them. It showed actually one of those bird houses <laughs> that, that you're talking about. That's crazy. Yeah, he now gets paid off all that shit. But I mean, Jeez. he worked hard for it, man. He was painting roofs himself. Yeah. For 34 years. Ten roofs. Those yeah. things had to have been hot. Yeah. I mean, with very little equipment. <laughs> Paint bro- paintbrush and a bucket. Give me a ladder. Imagination. So there's a lot more to see in Tennessee. I mean, there is... I mean, We didn't get really much into moonshine. We didn't get into Popcorn Sutton and him running his moonshine up and down the mountains. Mm. We didn't really talk about Dollywood. We didn't even mention the Grand Ole Opry. How how do we not do that? The Country Music Hall of Fame, Chattanooga Choo Choo, Tennessee Valley Railroad, Graceland, we didn't talk about Aquarium, Graceland, the Aquarium, downtown Knoxville, the Museum of the Appalachia. There's so much cool stuff here in Tennessee. There's never if you are a person that loves to do stuff. There's a million and one things to do in this state, and almost all of them are outdoors things. And that's what really made me fall in love with the state coming totally. from a different a different area. So uh, come visit Tennessee. Get your friends to come visit t- Tennessee. Come see us in Tennessee. Mm. Come see a football game in Tennessee. Go to Nashville and go go down on uh, what's the main street in Nashville? The Broad- down- Broadway. Bro- go Broadway. down on Broadway. Yeah. Go to the Honky Tonks. Yeah, go mm. down on Broadway in Nashville. Go to Beale Street in Memphis. Uh, come down and come, go up on Lookout Mountain in Chattanooga. Go see a race in Bristol. I mean, Tennessee is an amazing state. I'm glad that we got to spend over an hour talking about it. Sorry that it's gone long to all of the listeners. We appreciate you hanging in there with us. But if you have any questions, comments, otherwise, good, bad, or ugly, please let us know. You know how to get a hold of us on Instagram, Twitter, email, Facebook, all that stuff. Please make sure that you remember Mr. Cody. Uh, mm-hmm. Cody, why don't you go ahead and give us a plug. You know your stuff better than I do. How do the people get a hold of a hold of you and follow you? Uh, best ways, Instagram. It's uh, Cody Walters underscore D-O-P. And I uh, work for the company Pop Fizz. We got our website up and running. So if anyone wants to contact us about any work, and contact us through there. Hell yeah. Dude, you've been awesome. Man, Thank thanks you. for having me. This has been so much fun. Thank, thanks this has for been awesome. That that little extra stuff. I mean, shit. Oh, his little sure. one-twos that he had about adding on to stuff is mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. So we've appreciated every single bit of it. It's no, awesome. I, I know it's not the last that we've heard of you, though. No. So, I hope not. Good to catch up, brother. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're going to catch you on the next one. Mm-hmm.